Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris. There's Palmer. There's Parker. There's Steve. Hello, Palmer. It is 4.48 p.m. on a Wednesday. Palmer's home from daycare. He's got some hot sports takes. Yeah. We're going to hit on yeah. a few a few different topics here. We'll talk a little Husker football, of course, as we always do. A couple new recruits to get to. Spring ball starting here in just a matter of days. We'll also touch on men's basketball uh, off their loss to Northwestern. Last night, Tuesday night, dropping Fred Hoiberg to 1-30 on the road in his tenure at Nebraska and giving the Huskers their third consecutive 20-loss season after having zero such seasons in their history before Fred arrived. So a lot to get to. We'll start with some football. Uh, the, the latest news, I guess, is, is in the quarterback room. William Watson, quarterback out of Massachusetts, committing to Nebraska yesterday. Uh, class of 2023, as as you kind of wrote, Parker kind of clarifies things in that class going forward for the Huskers, and a guy that, that has a really good uh, and a long-standing relationship with Mark Whipple. Yeah, really long-standing, like going back to middle school. Um, when Mark Watson, Whipple was in middle school, which is amazing. Yeah, right. When yes, that would that would probably predate uh, William Watson, Pop Watson, as he goes by. Um, but yeah, William Watson's from Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, obviously, Mark Whipple was the head coach at UMass, two different stints. Most recently, um, the stint went up until 2018. And um, his, his last year there, he offered William Watson, and Watson was just in eighth grade. Uh, the, the head coach, at, there's, a, there's a lot of layers to the connection here. Obviously, Whipple spent a good chunk of his career on the East Coast, um, and, and the head coach, the former head coach actually, um, at Springfield central played for Whipple at UMass. He was an all American. There's a sort of deep tie between Springfield central and UMass in general. Um, and so Whip's known about this kid for a long time. Um, he offered him at UMass and he offered him at Pitt then he offered him at Nebraska when he got to Nebraska a couple of months ago. So um, it's a guy who's been on the radar screen. It's been interesting, simple in part because there's other quarterbacks uh, in the Midwest who Nebraska had offered and and was recruiting. Um, but this is their guy. I mean, this is not it, right now. Now signing day is ten months away, but this isn't like uh, you know we're going to take two quarterbacks or something like that. Like this is this is Nebraska's guy for for 2023 now. Yeah, it's, I mean. I know there was at least a segment of the staff, the coaching staff, that was really interested in Avery Johnson, J.J. Cole. Yep. Those, those were the two – wouldn't, Parker, you say those were the two big names? Definitely that they'd offered. And then you can't really – you can't really get away from the Zane Flores um, part of the conversation either because he's a kid in Gretna right. who, as of, you know, in the last two weeks basically, has picked up offers from uh, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma State. Nebraska's obviously had every chance to evaluate him, uh, even the new staff, you know. Um, and so that just – it never seemed like it was in the cards. And as it turns out, it wasn't really um, to, to offer Zane Flores. So, yeah, I mean, you've got the two 
kids who are four-star prospects, Avery Johnson and JJ Cole in the region. You've got Zane Flores right region. down the road in Gretna. Um, but William Watson is a guy who, you know, when he watches, when you watch his highlights, he's a dual threat kid. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's started three years of, of high school ball, two full seasons and a couple, just a couple games because of the pandemic in 2020, but he's thrown more than 50 touchdowns in his career. He's only thrown eight interceptions as a high school kid. So, I mean, I think you can see what Whipple likes about him, arm talent and decision-making uh, as a starting point. And then, you know, pretty athletic kid to go along with it. Hey, Baz, they're, they're recruiting two kids from places you're very familiar with. Avery Johnson was from right outside of Wichita. Um, and then uh, J.J. Cole, I think he's from West Des Moines, right, Parker? Yeah, Ankeny. Ankeny. Yeah, two, two places I'm, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I have a long-standing relationship with the Ankeny, Iowa area. And I do. I don't want to get in quite get into what my relationship is. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it involves a creek, right? <laughs> yeah, let's let's just keep it. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on quickly. Look, should we play that. 20 guess... questions? Should we play 20 questions on that one? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, this guy this guy uh, pops Washington. So so Watson. it's sort of informative. It's Watson. informative. Watson. Watson. Yeah. Watson. He, it's informative about Whipple. I don't know, Parker. For some reason, I was sort of taken by the fact that he's he's willing to recruit a six foot dude that can really run. I mean, this yeah. is a true dual threat guy. You know, six foot. Mm-hmm. This is not like a big stand in the pocket gunner. You know, right? Although he's got a strong arm. He got a strong arm. Yeah, he's got a strong arm. But I think it goes to, you know, remember in December when we asked um, Whip about what he looks for in quarterbacks in the first, I mean, what he focused on was competitiveness, decision-making leadership. And then he sort of like threw in like, Oh, well, talent helps too. Um, (laughs) And it wasn't like you got to be six, four, you got to be Kenny Pickett, you know? Um, It's interesting. um, He's a, just a, he's a guy that, you know, He's built a little bit different than, um, you know, Kenny Pickett certainly is built a little different than, than Chubba Purdy. He's actually, I mean, just from a stature standpoint, you know, it's not probably altogether a different athletic uh, package than Casey Thompson, right? I mean, we look at Casey Thompson, he's not the biggest guy in the world, um, but he can, he's got a big arm. He makes good decisions. He's accurate with the football. um, And Oh, by the way, he can run a little bit. And that, that's sort of, I guess that's, you know, would be if you're looking at the just the height, weight, speed element of all the guys in in Nebraska's quarterback room, he's a little bit more like Casey Thompson or like Logan Smothers uh, than he is like some of the bigger kids in the room. Okay, well that's a good trend. We can make a good transition to spring ball, right? Okay, I mean, right right okay. into quarterback discussion in spring ball. How about that? Sure, sure. What do yeah. you got, Sip? Let's do it. Let's discuss it. Well. I mean, first of all, first of all, I'm interested. I, I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but I'm, I'm I'm interested in how Casey Thompson, how well he's recovered from a. I guess it was a thumb injury, a hand injury that he had at Texas. Um, I I want to see that. I want to hear that. I want to hear. You know what? That'll be a pretty good question to ask Whipple on Monday when we I, we're going to meet with a lot of guys on Monday, right? Yeah, a lot. Several players, Frost. And all of the assistants. Um, 
Wow. Really? Maybe we'll get a chance to, I mean, we might, we may well talk to Casey Thompson himself. That's frost a palooza. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, so it's a marathon. Yeah, bring I mean, your, uh, bring your shot blocks. You're going to want some, some energy intake along the way. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm interested to hear that from Casey Thompson. Um, just, I'm, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there. They're going to, it depends who they bring, but how are they going to, okay. One thing you'd want to ask Whipple is how are they going to divvy up reps? I mean, that's always a critical question, right? Yeah. How, how do you go about divvying up reps? Who, who starts with the ones? Um, somebody's got to start with the ones. How do you do this? How do you determine all that? That's, a, that's the sort of things I'm wondering about just when you talk about the quarterback room. And, and how do Man, you who's do there? Everybody's Go ahead, Bass. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, how do you do it when everybody's new too, right? Right. Like half your coaching staff's new, your, half your quarterback room's new. Like, are you just going to say, all right, Casey, we're just going to throw you out there and, and see if it works or do you, do you go in a different direction? So that's, that's part of that, that equation too, for sure. Right. How far along are they in the structuring of their offense? I'd like to know that. Um, yeah. Is there, what if Scott, what if Scott there, Ross just like handed you a playbook on Monday? Yeah. Well, like, I wouldn't know what to do with it first. Hey, hey Scott, um, how far along are you with the offense? Oh, well, here's Steph. We just brought we just brought a playbook for you to look through. And it wouldn't mean that much to me. Um, I is this I, a pass play. This is the pass play, right? Yeah. What is that? What is that? What's this circle? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> can you explain this to me? Did you call these I A, am, B, and C, uh, not X, Y, and Z? I'm interested to know. Like, I, I don't know how you'd frame up the question. Are they? Is there an expectation of? it could be a little rough in the early stages of spring. You know, what, what is your, I guess the best way to ask, best way to ask is what is your expectation for the offense in the first couple of weeks? You know, um, those sorts of things are on my mind. Yeah. It's interesting in December um, Whipple in his round table, right after he got hired, he was already, he already had the spring ball schedule on his mind because he brought up, the fact that he sort of liked the structure where it's two weeks and then spring break and then three weeks after spring break, because he said we can get a lot of work in for two weeks and then, you know, it's spring break and I'll be able to really sort of figure out where we're at. And then, um, you know, sort of like shift gears as needed um, a spring ball, you know, for the last three weeks. And so that's kind of like, there's no, I mean, there's no need for, a charade if you know if yeah. you know beyond a shadow of a doubt like who the top three guys are or whatever uh, but I do think I mean typically these things they start out you know reps generally speaking start out more even and then maybe you tilt them toward the guys you think are your guys um, as as the five weeks go along so yeah that'll be very interesting and it'll also be interesting to see who's snapping the ball to the quarterbacks um, and hear a little bit more, whether it's from Donovan Rayola or Frost or, or Whipple or whoever about sort of where they think the offensive line is, especially given a couple of guys are going to have out um, for the spring. Yep. I would be, I mean, I'll tell you what, when I, when I think about the spring, I don't know if these guys think about it like this, but I would. I would think that there's got to be a, it's got to be, like fourth down every day, you, the, the, every day you got to make count. I, I don't, I would think so. Um, I would, I mean, I think people understand by now what we're talking about is a restructured offense and limited time and a, 
and the situation where they got to win. I mean, they got to, yeah. this isn't, you know, nobody's going to say in 2022, well, guys, I mean, they had, they had a new offense and that offense needs a year or two. Uh, you're not going to get that. So no, and Trev told us specifically that that's not what's happening. You know, yeah, right. Got to win. Is that what, what did he say? I mean, exactly. Do you remember? Well, yeah, we asked Just if that. this, if, if the, that it would be natural to suggest that a rebuilt staff needs some time to get things together. And he said, no, this is a hit the ground running type situation. Yeah. I, I'd be fairly neurotic, neurotic, I think like, okay, guys, I mean, this is, this practice has got to be big. I mean, today's got to be this today's really important because we only get 15 of these this spring. Right. And then I don't know how many you get. Do you get 29 in August? Something like that. Yeah. 15 practice, 15 practices in the spring and 20 some in August. And it's, then it's go time. Then you're going to Dublin and you got to be ready. So well, it's really, really, it's really interesting. Go that's ahead, coaching, Matt. right? That's coaching. Like that's, that's, yeah, it's X's and O's and, and personal, all that, but it's, it's imparting that message of urgency too, right? Like that's as, that's as important as anything else. Yeah. I mean, How would they? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's easy to say, yeah, guys, this is important. We gotta, we gotta do this. We gotta go. But you have to, you have to get your players to understand that, you know, it's, it's easy to tell them that, you know, and it's easy to, to want urgency, but you have to get your players to feel it. I think it's something else. That's going to be a part of this too. Do you understand, like, do you understand what Trev was saying last, oh, November when he was talking about what needed to happen in the program? And one of his, his main talking points was the details in this conference with so much parity, it's the teams that are good at the details that tend to rise to the, to the top. Well, now what are we talking about? Now on one side, we're talking about a defensive coordinator where he's just saying, he just said the other day, you know what we can focus on? Just tweaks the details. Now the offense is a whole nother story. I mean, that they're not starting with tweaks. I mean, they're starting over. Um, And so now you wonder if, if in, against Northwestern and then in those early games, are we going to be watching some slop? You know, are you going to be watching an offense that you're saying, well, it looks like a new offense. And if it's sloppy and there's not a, and the attention to detail is not great and they're losing close games. Okay. What do we say then? Then it gets really, then it gets the, the discussion gets really tense, right? Like, well, on one hand, they're playing pretty sloppy. It looks like a new offense. They're feeling their way along, but they really don't have time to do it, right? right. Don't, so it could get really interesting. It, yeah. yeah, it could get really interesting. And, so, oh, go ahead, Bess. No, I, nothing, nothing major. The fact that it's – and I know we've belabored this point too, but the fact that it's Northwestern out of the gate too, like that's they're not playing southeastern Louisiana or anything like that, and Northwestern is what they are, but – Northwestern's been plenty good enough to give Nebraska all kinds of trouble the last few years. Oh, yeah. So that's, I mean, you talk about winning and you talk about this, like 0-1's staring you right in the face if it's, if it's slop in that first game. So, yeah, it's it's just another another reason that, yeah, they have to be. Yeah, Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald's just going to try to capitalize on, yeah. you know. If you're a defensive coordinator, what are you doing against Nebraska? You're trying to capitalize on the newts, right? Yeah. And yeah. those, guys, those guys aren't going to cut any – I mean, nobody's got to cut them any slack. You can turn that conversation around, though, too, and say – I mean, Mark Whipple's been coaching for 40 years. I mean, people know what it is he wants to do. But you do have – and this is what I think Frost and the offensive staff will try to be protective of this offseason is you do have an element of unknown. 
um, you do you know, going into it. So you that do. that sort That's of gets point. to the that sort of gets to the last like football point I, I want to bring up before spring ball starts. It's interesting, Simple and I, you and I have talked about this. Um, one of the things I wrote about Whipple right when he got hired um, is that guys who have coached against him are really adamant that a big part of his philosophy is, you know, players, not plays. And that he, one of his sort of calling cards is that he figures out a lot of ways to get his best player the ball, even though the defense knows who his best player is or are, and obviously works to take him away. And this was one of the things we heard Whipple talk the other night. And essentially to the Lincoln football coaches, I mean, high school coaches, he basically showed a bunch of cutups of, of, a million different ways to get uh, Braylon Addison, their uh, Bolitnikoff winner at Pitt last year, the football. And Jordan Addison, it, Jordan Addison, Jordan, Jordan Addison. Yeah. Jordan? Yes. So this, this brings to mind simple a, a question. And I think one of the bigger questions for the offense, the spring is like, it's pretty simple. Who's that guy? Who's that guy for mm -hmm. Nebraska that will emerge <laughs> from spring as you know, just to let's use receiver as an example, as a guy that you're going to target 140 times in 12 games or whatever, you know, that's going to put up, has a chance to put up the gaudy sort of numbers that somebody always seems to put up in a Mark Whipple offense. I wonder if that would have been Austin Allen. I wonder if it could be some, I don't know. I mean, it, Trey Palmer comes to mind, even though I've never seen him. I know he had 30 catches last year in the SEC for LSU. Um, you wonder if a guy like, you know, if Omar Manning or Xavier Betts, they would really have to raise their game to be that sort of guy, right, that, that catches 55 passes um, or more. Um, I, yeah, it could be a running back, right? Yeah, could it, that's what I was going to say. Could it be like Ramir Johnson, you know, out yeah. of the backfield catching passes, yep. you know, or, or whoever, whoever or just, running back you pick, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean. I, Absolutely. I think back to like Marlon Lucky catching all those passes when, when he was here. It's, and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to have a running back catch 70 passes or whatever, but it could be somebody out of that group too. I would love, I would love if it was a running back. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not joking. It would, that would be wonderful if, if, sure. if after spring they determined that, that the guy they're going to lean on is a running back. Preferably a big that running back, probably. Yeah. I mean, that'd be good, but I like Ramirez. I mean, I like Ramirez Johnson. I, I, I never, do. I know you do. Yeah, I've never – I would never – he's not my exact style, but I like the way he runs between the tackles. I mean, he runs with some degree of abandon, and he's a tough kid. I, I like that part of him. Um, he's just yeah, got to get more – he's got to get more than his block. I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, sure. Listen to me, the running Listen back to you. coach. You know the playbook already. You got it memorized. You got all the schemes down. You can say, Scott, no, I don't need the playbook. I already know it by heart. I got it in here. I've been studying my iPad. There's a what's that? I've been studying my iPad. Got the playbook yeah. down. Defensive side, defensive side, much more settled, but it's still a lot of questions. And and to per regarding what you said, Parker, about the the element of surprise. I mean, I asked. Shenander the other day, well, you guys have a market advantage against the offense because you're in your fifth year. You have a lot of guys that have been in the system. Um, while, and then meanwhile, they're, start, they're kind of start from scratch. He said exactly what you said. He goes, well, yes and no. 
I mean, they're going to be able to catch us with some stuff and that'll, that'll keep us on our toes. We're, there's going to be some things we haven't seen and it'll probably mean we have to adjust and we might get beat a few times before we, before we adjust. Plus Janander said, you know, he just doesn't always just keep it the same guys with the ones he's moving guys around up and down between the first, first team, second team, third, third team to see if some guys, you know, if you move them with the ones, what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so he's got to be moving around personnel. So he said, no, it's, it's, I don't, he doesn't, he said he doesn't look at it like he has this market advantage um, that he's going to, there's a lot he has to figure out too. And you've written about it, Parker, mainly up front and in the secondary, there's a lot of jobs. open. Yeah. It's one of the things that I chatted briefly with, Shenander about this uh, recently, the, the thing, I think there's a distinction to make on defense. They've got some new guys for sure, especially in the secondary, you know, that'll, it will see what Omar Brown's health status is this spring, but they, they've got some, you know, Sean Singleton um, is going to be in the mix for a job. Tommy Hill is going to be in the mix for a job. They're still looking for help up front in the transfer portal for the spring and, you know, the spring and summer. But the thing I find is interesting is, is more often than not on the defense, what you're talking about is, um, maybe new starters or new contributors, but not new players in the system. A couple, a couple that are going to compete for jobs, but like, you know, like Blaze Gunnarsson and Jamari Butler third going into yeah. their third year in the program. Masai yeah. Newsom's going into yeah. his fourth year in the program. Nash is going into his third yeah. year in the program. So Javen Wright, third year. Glad you, know. you mentioned those guys. Yeah. So all of these guys, like there's going to be a lot of um, faces that are new to fans, at least, at, you know, in terms of seeing guys on the field and competing for jobs like Noah Polo Gates going into his fourth year, I think in the program. So all of these, you've got all these guys who like their roles are changing and the expectations on them maybe are taking that, that next step. But a lot of guys who are going to get work with the ones for the first time or the most extensive work with the ones they've got or whatever this spring, they're new to that situation, but they're in their third, fourth, second, third, fourth year in the program. And that, that's sort of like where you want to get to as a defense, right? Is when the next wave of guys, they're not fresh off the, off the, you know, national signing day list. They've been in the program for a while and, you know, they have that ability to, to just sort of step in and progress through their careers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned a couple of those guys. Like we all, you know, we, one thing we talk about a lot and Eric, Eric, Eric talked about it, pass rush, explosive plays producing turnovers a couple guys that could factor in in that you mentioned and there's a lot of momentum in the program from Jamari Butler and Blaze Gunners I mean those are two guys that could really help you in that regard right um that they like I mean that, that I mean Eric said we look at it a little differently than the media does you know there's a lot of questions but there's a lot of guys you don't you're not familiar with that we are familiar with. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they feel good. They feel good about guys like Jamari Butler and Blaze Gunnerson and Mosai Newsom and Nash Hutmacher in the interior. And you know, guys like Raquan Buckley and Marquise Black, Weaver. Um, names that we haven't talked about a whole lot, but they, they're aware of them and they they feel pretty good about them. Yeah, it's one of the, one of the things I, I wrote this today. Actually, it's it's sort of interesting this year on defense because you know people ask about like, hey, who's going to replace JoJo Delman? Well, yeah, 
the competition, it's not about replacing him as a player. It's about sort of like replacing the production because you're probably not going to have a guy that does exactly the same things that Jojo did, you know? And so like the example I used is, is Isaac Gifford and Blaze Gunnarsson don't play exactly the same position, but they're sort of competing against each other, right? Because you're just sort of, you're sorting through all of these options that you have and you want to see what the best groupings are. So it's not, you're not, they're not competing against each other in the sense of like Blaze Gunnarsson's not going to be out like walked over number two on third and long and playing in a lot of coverage situations. But like those guys are trying to show that they deserve to be on the field, just like Javen Wright is and just like Noah Pola Gates and all these other guys. Um, So it's sort of an interesting spring in that regard on, on defense lot. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of snaps up for grabs. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, I mean, this is, again, we've talked about this a little bit, but I, and I don't know, it's something I contemplated writing about. It'll be one of the most interesting springs that we don't see. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah. it, it, like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, we always talk about how interesting it's going to be. And I think we're, because of the nature of the beast, Scott has always been pretty, oh, frugal in terms of how much the media sees. And I think that will only increase his frugality will only increase because of the situation. He's not going to want us to see that offense. Um, so it is. Frugal it is, is a very diplomatic pretty, word. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, I, I, I know I, I repeat myself, but I think for not everybody listens to every podcast, you guys, not. No, not so much Parker, but Baz, <laughs> Baz remembers, and I certainly remember there've been coaches where we did see a lot of spring practice. We watched every Bill Callahan spring practice his first year. We saw a lot of Bo Pelini spring practice. We saw a lot, a lot of Mike Riley spring practice. Um, we don't see frost practice. So, you know, it's everybody has their style. And, and I got to tell you, if I were a coach, the media wouldn't be anywhere near my practice. So I, I I'm not, I'm not being critical. Um, I, I, I totally understand it, but it is, it is kind of funny when we talk about how interesting it's going to be in the back of my mind. I'm always like, yeah, it'll be great. We're not going to see any of it. Yeah. 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 No, maybe 30 minutes of stretching at the beginning of a practice. Stretching. Yeah. Brutal is a much more diplomatic word than paranoid. Yeah, I don't know if it's a matter of paranoia. I'm just I'm just stating um, a fact. Frugal is a more diplomatic word than paranoia. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of spring intrigue and frugality and and paranoia, should yeah. we talk some men's yeah. basketball? Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good that's a good transition. Yeah, and Nebraska Nebraska lost again last night. Breaking news: seventy seven to sixty five at Northwestern. Trailed the whole way. Never really in the game outside of the first minutes of the second half or so uh now seven and 20 on the season one and 15 in the big 10 the third consecutive 20 loss season for the huskers before fred hoiberg was hired nebraska never had a 20 loss season and we're not exactly talking about a program with a lot of history here to to begin with so it's bleak it's bleak right now uh for fred and the big red and Last home game was Friday against an Iowa team that just smacked you around a couple of weeks ago and 
beat Michigan State by 30 the other night or beat him by 26. How about, that? How about that? Last night? Yeah. Yeah. Iowa. Iowa's playing as good as anybody in the league right now. They look great. They really are. They got a player of the year candidate in Keegan Murray. Yeah, how about that? Iowa and Rutgers, the way they've played recently. Yeah, it's it's you have to be impressed with how those teams have <laughs> basically since they played that 48-46 game against each other, that was just like terrible to watch. They've both been really good since then. So yeah, it's just we're kind of we've kind of reached the point where we're, you know, where we're on Fred Hoiberg watch. Let's be real about it. And you know, there's there's four games left plus a big 10 tournament game. And then you're into the off season and, and Trev's got a decision to make uh, Trev Alberts, the Nebraska athletic director has a decision to make about what he's going to do with this program. And look, it's, it's, it's been talked about plenty and written about plenty. We know Fred Hoiberg's um, buyout is large. We also know it's going to be large next year and the year after that and the year after that. So it's, it's going to get smaller, but it's still going to be a big chunk of change. So, you know, the, the kind of central question to all this becomes, you know, we talk about frugality and, and these sorts of things is, is what kind of price is Nebraska willing to pay right now to either A, keep Fred Hoiberg as their coach or B, move on and, and blow this thing up and start over again. That's kind of where it's at right now. And so it's, it's no fun for, we, and we, <laughs> we're having the exact same conversation now we had when Tim Miles was fired in 2019. It's not any fun to talk about this stuff and, and, and kind of guess what happens or anything, but it is what it is. This is where it's at in Fred Hoiberg's third season, there's, there's no hope. They're not getting any better. And they, you know, they're not, Nebraska shouldn't be that much worse than Northwestern that they get beat by Northwestern by double digits twice um, in, in a year. But I mean, that that's where it's at right now. It's just a, they're yeah, a, you said something critical that we don't probably, it doesn't get, I mean, listen, what happens inevitably when you talk about this program right now, you stack up a lot of sort of negative Things, but one that doesn't get talked about a lot, but but is very valid. You just touched on this. This team hasn't gotten better. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of regressed. Yeah, um, it really has. So yeah, and, and, and that's a damning that's a damning comment about the coaching. It, it really is. It's it's regressed. And when you look at the previous two years, those two teams really didn't regress. And not that they were any good, but. Look, Nebraska was playing hard at the end of last year. They got they they got noticeably better last year, even going through the COVID pause and, and everything. They else. did. They, got better, they did. You know? Yeah. They played well at the end of the year. Same thing in 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 the first year. That wasn't a very good team, and they were outmanned a lot of times. But you watched them, and you went, "Man, that that's a they're coached well. They're in the right spots. They're trying to do the right things. They just don't have the talent." Now they got the talent and and they're not doing the right things and they don't look like they're coached well. And, and so, yeah, it's, that's, that's the most damning part of this whole thing, Seth. You, you hit exactly on it. And, and that's part of the equation too. And again, something we've talked about, written about a lot. What does Trev Alberts talk about? It's, you know, winning matters, details matter, you know, and, and is what we are, is what we're doing elite uh, in every part of our operation. And look, 7, 21, and 15, you're not elite in anything right now. And, look, we need to give Bryce McGowan's a lot of credit. He's had a great year as a freshman and broke Dave Hoppins' freshman scoring record last night. And that's to be commended. Um, that's a record that's mm-hmm. for 39 years. And Bryce is, Bryce is going to make a lot of money next year playing in the NBA, and, and a lot of credit to him for doing that. But outside of him, no, you can't really point to a lot of areas or maybe any areas where this team has improved uh, over the course of the year. And that, that says as much as anything right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'm not gonna. I, I, 
they're not it's they got some talent but there's some serious deficiencies and the one i've pointed at from the beginning of the season is is inside the paint they're just not they don't have enough in the paint and they run up against big 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 10 teams all the time i mean come on look what maryland did fast maryland comes in to pba comes into their building nebraska's and outscores nebraska 46 to 28 in the paint and shoots 33 free throws there that's unforgivable in yeah. most realms i mean you you allowed maryland now maryland those they, they do got some bigs they're not good they're not great but they, they got them yeah. and you can't there's not many teams that you can point to in the big 10 that don't except nebraska i mean that you know eduardo is a pretty he's a he's a tough kid and he plays hard, but he's very limited offensively. And I do not consider Derek Walker a big. He's six eight. He's a below the rim player. They ask him to be a big, and he's pretty. He's a tough kid, and he plays hard too. But Fred made a conscious decision to enter this league without enough manpower up front, and that's you know what that is. That's just a, if I were the AD, I'd say, why did you think that would work? I mean, that's yeah. just a tactical error. It's yeah, a, it is. It's a really and they get they get hammered inside. I mean, yeah. By by some of sometimes they get hammered inside by pretty average big men. The well, real good big men really hammered inside. Really, yeah. Hammered. Well, I mean, think look at last night. Dickinson took over the second half in the Michigan game. I mean, yeah. That's well, look at Pete Nance last night. Like Pete Nance is a great athlete, pretty good player, but he's not. You know, he's not one of the top five big men in the Big Ten. You know, no. He might be top half, maybe, and had his way last night. You know, pick and pop, pick and roll, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So it's just, and you you talked about the bigs. You know, a comment that struck me last night during the broadcast. Dave Refson mentioned that that someone on Nebraska's staff told him that they were kind of taken by surprise that Delonte Banton left. And I'm sitting there thinking, so you can't carry more than one point guard on your roster. Uh, that you were. Oh, that. it was very. Yeah, and we, and we, spent a, we spent a good chunk of last year talking about how, like, there was part of the season where they couldn't really have, like, Delano didn't really succeed in the point guard role. So then yeah. it was like, so then Trey was playing it, and other guys were playing it. It's like, well, he's not really a point guard. We're asking him to play point guard. He's trying to learn it, and then it was like, well, our point guard left for the NBA. So, yeah, guy that yeah. didn't. Their point guard really left for the NBA is a rotation point. guy in the NBA now. Like right. he plays in the rotation for the rap. Right. Yeah. Now, now it was interesting. Okay. So I, I was interested that you picked up on that Baz. I was wondering, a lot of people did. They, they heard that comment that Revson made. And it's one of those comments where I've said, I've said this to you guys, there's a lot that Fred says that doesn't pass the sniff test. And, and that's a good one. That's a real good example. You're like, wait a second. You're, you're saying that you got caught, caught off guard at point guard by Banton leaving. I, I don't remember Banton being a great point guard. I do remember him getting benched late last year. And I yeah. do remember him shooting 24% from the three point line on the season. Now he was, he did have 105 assists last year and 67 turnovers, which isn't a terrible, that's not a, and he's a good, he's shot. a good player. No doubt. Like he's a good yeah. player. He's good. Yeah. He's good. But come on, Baz, Baz. Hang on. So you're, you didn't have a plan B at all at point guard. That's the thing. I mean, That's the thing. Like we can argue yeah. the merits of Delano Banton playing point guard, but you had no plan. And look, Delano left late. He was a late invite. 
to the combine and he he took advantage of his opportunity when he got there and, and all credit in the world to him for doing that he's gotten a lot better but you're like even if even if he didn't like even if he came back like what if you would have gotten hurt this year like you had no backup plan because if you would have come back Alonzo Verge wouldn't be here you know who's who's running the point then you know so good point it's yeah it's, yeah Verge wouldn't even be here yeah yeah and so the roster construction is the thing. I know, Palmer. The roster construction, I know you're flexing, but the yeah, roster it's construction rough. is not strong. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're, they're outworked in the paint. They're outmanned in the paint. They don't have a point guard. And, I mean, they have they have individual pieces that are individually talented, but they don't fit. I mean, they just don't. They have, And the, the record shows that. And, I mean, it is 7 and 20 is, is 7 and 20, and 1 and 15 is 1 and 15. And – and one in 30 on the road is one in 30 on the road. And a lot of that comes back to, you know, mental toughness and those sorts of things too. It comes back to culture things that, that coaches are supposed to build. So, yeah, I mean, you could, you, we can nitpick any part of this program. It's easy to do right now because of the situation they're in, but look, they're in the situation they're in because of the things we just talked about and several other things. So it's just a, it's a going to be a fascinating few weeks here as we, as we wrap up the season. A lot, Baz, a lot of people are going to wonder, so what, I mean, they're listening, they're, they're going to wonder, well, so what, what do you think is going to happen? I know we don't know, but we do know Trev Alberts is on statewide radio tomorrow, and this will be addressed, don't you think? Oh, I, it has to be, right? It has to be. And whether it's, whether it's Trev bringing it up or whether it's a caller calling in and just flat asking Trev if, if Fred is coming back next year, it's going to get addressed one way or the other. And do I expect Trev Alberts to come out tomorrow and say, we've made a decision on Fred Hoiberg? Probably not, unless he's going to announce that, yeah, we've, we're bringing Fred back. It's, yeah, I wonder. And we've, we've done whatever. We've restructured his deal. We've agreed to some yeah. metrics, like they yeah. do with Scott, you know, that sort of thing. So I, that's probably the thing to watch for that tomorrow. I don't, think, I don't think Trev is the type of person that's going to go on the radio tomorrow and say, yeah, we're going to move on from Fred Hoiberg at the end of the year, you know, during, during a I don't, during I don't a think season. so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Now, it's Nebraska basketball. Stranger things have happened, and they always do. So you never say never. But, yeah, it's. I'm very interested to hear what Trev has to say tomorrow about that. I'm very interested to hear or see, I guess, you know, what happens, you know, at the Big Ten tournament the day after the Big Ten tournament, assuming Nebraska loses that first game up there, and, and what happens in those few days after. Because, again, look, if you're going to do this, if you're going to make a move, you got to do it. You, you can't mess around with it. When Tim Miles was fired and Fred Hoiberg was hired, it was less than a week between those two, those two events. And you have to do that because you have to build a roster, build a coaching staff, get ready for yourself, all, all that other stuff. So yeah, what, whatever's going to happen, it, it's, it's just going to be, again, fascinating to watch, watch this play out over the next few days or weeks. I suppose Trev could be on the radio tomorrow and say, will, will, deal with this issue after the season in fairness to the players. Um, well, we'll just let's let the season play out and we'll deal with this afterward. That's kind of, that's kind of the way I lean with it. And look, maybe a decision's already been made and, and maybe everybody, maybe everybody in that program knows what that decision is. You know, we don't, we don't know that either. So um, it's just kind of, we're all just kind of waiting to see what this is going to look like right now. And 
So yeah, I don't know. It's it, there's, there's a lot of different ways this can go. There's a lot of different ways it can transpire and we'll see if, if Trap has anything to say about it tomorrow on the radio. Okay. All right. How are we doing? We're great. Palmer's a little restless. Palmer, what's for dinner? Palmer, what this is for dinner? dinner? What's for dinner, Palmer? Maybe some chicken. Yeah. Chicken? Maybe some mac and I cheese. Chicken? Chicken. Fried, fried chicken, chicken, yes. A whole bucket of fried chicken. Not that. Papa Sipple's chickens. No. <laughs> we would never eat have a chickens. Might have a wing. Maybe some buffalo wings for the little man. Probably go over well with mom if we did that. Do you tear, do you tear into a big wing? You, oh yeah, he's a, a he's a he's a carnivore. He loves he loves his chicken. But enough about my son. We don't need to talk about my son on the podcast. This is ridiculous. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know. I don't. What is there anything else we need to address today? <laughs> Hi. Uh, baseball. Baseball. Uh, some breaking news. Oh, yeah. Today. Um, what? Jake Buns, um, the reliever for Nebraska, uh, out for the season, suffered an arm injury down in Texas last weekend. It, it didn't sound good on the radio and it, it sucks for Jake. Cause that's the guy that's already undergone Tommy one, Tommy John, um, Will Bull today didn't, you know, specify what the injury was. It sounds like they're waiting for some final tests to figure it out, but it's a season. And you're talking about a season, a senior, a guy that led, the, led a really good team in appearances last year, uh, as a starter and a reliever. And, uh, was a guy that was going to be a really key piece of that, that bullpen. So, feel bad for Jake and, and you hope he's able to recover from that. And it, it was also interesting to hear, well, you know, we asked him, you know, maybe what surprised him about last week. And the first thing out of his mouth is defense and how poorly they played defensively. And you could point to a lot of areas uh, with, with what they did down there. Defense. So why do you say that? Just the number of errors, multiple errors in three of the four games and a lot of them on routine plays, you know, just, just basic stuff. And, it's, it's surprising because they really thought that would be the strength of this team to the point that they thought they might have an elite infield defensively. They still can. Um, there, there's a lot of season left. Uh, just They didn't play well. They put the, the starting pitchers didn't pitch well, and the defense didn't help them out. And, and that, that kind of is the crux of everything, you know, right there on top of the offense that struggled. And Yeah, you, you had the stat on Twitter. I saw the starting pitchers combined for 10 and a third innings and gave up 17 runs. In the third inning, 17 runs, 14 of them earned, only struck out eight guys over four games uh, or 10 guys over four games with eight walks. So, I mean, just not what you would expect from that group. That includes two veterans and Kyle Perry, Shea Shanneman. So, and, and Will Bolt said, today, I expect those guys to have, have a bounce back week. And now they're playing TCU, who's pretty good, top 20 program down in Texas. So we'll see what that looks like. Hey, Bass, so is the rotation stay the same? Rotation stays the same. Uh, it's only three games, so Braxton Bragg won't start down there, but it'll be Perry, Shanneman, and Dawson McCarver uh, in the three games. Okay. And so, I mean, that's what it looks like right now. Will didn't sound today like a guy that, that was worried. You know, it's, it's not a deal where that one weekend's going to define their season unless they let it. That's kind of been the, the rallying cry for Will uh, since that series ended against Sam Houston. And look, Sam Houston beat Oklahoma State last night. He was a top-five team in the country. They might, Sam Houston's pretty good. Let's 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 give them some credit here too. Not Absolutely. Nebraska didn't play well, but Sam Houston might have a real good squad down there. So that's part of it too. So okay, here's a question that a, a 55 year old should know, but I'm going to ask it anyway. It is now RPI is a, a factor in everything, but I mean, does it matter when you go on a road to play TCU? 
I mean, do you, it, it's just a good RPI situation. Is it a good RPI situation, win or lose, or do you need to win a couple? Yeah, well, it, obviously you want to win a, a couple of them. There's no doubt. But even, you know, playing TCU on the road is going to help you a lot more than playing, say, you know, Yale at home or, right. or whoever, you know, playing a lesser opponent at home or, or playing a lesser opponent on the road. You know? and, and, yeah, that's that's why you schedule like that. And, you know, that's part of the reason Nebraska – got the seating it did last year in the NCAA tournament, even with that great record, what was their RPI like playing a big 10 only schedule? They go 31 and 12 and they get a two seed and go have to go play Arkansas. And part, a lot of that was because of their, their strength of schedule. Their RPI. So that's why you schedule Sam Houston. That's why you schedule TCU. You know, that's why you schedule the way we'll both schedule this year. And, and so, yeah, it's win or lose. It will help Nebraska. Obviously you want to try and win a couple of these teams. Okay. Um, yeah. TCU, which was two and one after the weekend. And I think TCU played last night too, Baz. I haven't, I haven't looked yet. I think you're, I think a lot of those, those Southern teams have been started their midweeks already. Yeah. So it'll be tough. I mean, that you're, you're starting, you play two tough, tough opponents right out of the gate. Some of that defense is the result of Nebraska did get outside quite a bit, but not, a, not as much as a Southern team would. Yeah. Um, so some of it is Nebraska often starts pretty slow. Um, so we'll just have to see how they come back. I suspect they'll come back pretty strong. Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll play well, win or lose this weekend. So we'll have to see what it looks like. On that note, my son's about to break through the door over here, so we're going to wrap this baby up. Sweet. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll have more for you next week and talk to you next time. All right.